He said that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible. All right, welcome back, Analysis listeners. I want to welcome in from Denver, Colorado, a couple guys that I can't see, but I know they're here. I know they're in the room with me right now. It's Mike Hammond and Jordan Harris. Say hi, guys. What's up? Hey, guys. What's going on? You guys have manipulated light into some sort of bodysuit. We are, of course, today talking about the new movie, The Invisible Man. Maybe the only good thing to see right now in theaters. I just got out of the theater, uh, just walked through the door. My dog threw up on himself. I cleaned that up really quick. Uh, and I, uh, I, I'm here and I'm ready to pod. Uh, you guys saw this a couple days ago, and I wanted to start with our little our movie text thread that we have. And I was kind of teasing this movie a few weeks ago, and I said there was no chance that I would go see it um, based off of its trailer. And uh, Jordan, you had some some funny takes on on just this movie's trailer and why that may have given us a bad perception um, and, and and left kind of a, a bad impression on us for an otherwise really smart and emotionally intelligent movie. But Jordan, what were your takes on uh, just the trailer of this in the first place? Yeah, I, I laughed out loud the first time I saw the trailer. I, I forget what movie I was going to see, but I'm sitting in a movie theater with my wife and they play the trailer for The Invisible Man. And I just kind of threw my hands up and looked at her and I said, that was just the whole fucking movie yeah. in two minutes. <laughs> you see, like you see, yeah, you see like her going like, oh, he's dead. He's committed suicide. And then they put the thing on the table about the five million dollars. And this is all in the trailer. And then you see her like, see the, see this, where the suit is made. And then you see him like shooting the, the prison guards or the, the hospital guards. And then you see her going, there you are. And like, it's like the whole battle scene with the invisible man. And I'm like, oh my God, it's. This is the movie beginning to end right here. Just all in the trailer. In, in, in a, a weird way, in a weird way, it kind of piqued my interest in the movie a little bit more because I wanted to go see it to see if they were actually so bold to just show you the whole movie in a, a Cliff Notes version uh, in the trailer. But um, that and definitely the fact that it was well reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. gave it the bump that it needed this time of the year to uh, to move the needle for me, where I'd actually be willing to go see it in the theater. Normally, that Rotten Tomatoes score, if it's very high in the over 90s, I start to pay a lot closer attention. So that was what it gave. What gave it credibility was the Rotten Tomatoes score and Elizabeth Moss, because she very rarely does something that's bullshit. Like she yeah. is very selective mm-hmm. and, and, and normally makes really artistic uh, and thought-provoking projects. So those were the two things where I was like, okay, maybe I was a little too quick to judge on this movie. Mike, what, what did you think in, in general? What were some of your first impressions? Well, just to piggyback off what Jordan said, he told me the story about the trailer, and I went and saw 1917, and that was the first time I saw it, was before that. And I thought the same thing. I mean, usually when movies do that, especially horror movies, especially like jump scare movies, you kind of get why they're doing that. You know, they want you to get the full scope of uh, what you're going to get. And so it's like, okay, well, I think I know what I'm going to expect going into the movie. And then you go and see it. And it's like a really well-made, well-acted, sort of refreshing take on something we've seen a bunch of times. It's not like it's brand new, but yeah, 
it's a really fresh reimagining and it's got some real shit to say too. It actually, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously like an emotional drama and also a horror thriller, but I would say a good three fourths of this movie is in the emotional drama space. And it's dealing with some real themes here. Like there's, relationship induced PTSD there's domestic violence happening uh, the, the whole there's a big metaphor just around um, how someone can be gaslit in a relationship so just making someone feel that their reality isn't uh, consistent with everyone else's reality making them uh, just kind of manipulating them and making them feel uh, that their feelings aren't legitimate and uh, kind of owning power over somebody mentally mm-hmm. uh th- those are some some really real shit and there's just some some hardcore lady beating in this movie so i was like holy shit like we're we're, we're getting in, into some some difficult themes for a movie packaged as a horror film well, yeah and the idea and the idea too that when you experience that kind of trauma especially if you're a woman in a relationship like that the person's never really gone they're sort of always there mentally you sort of like are always concerned that that's going to come back up again, just in a lot of different ways. So again, like I agree with you, it's a really intelligent way to kind of fold that into like a horror sort of, not a monster movie, but the same kind of idea of this lurking thing is really smart. Yeah. And also it's just not very expected. No, you know, no, not at all. And maybe even on top of all that, a commentary, whether it was intentional or not on technology and how it's used these days to, to spy on you and, um, that might have just been a side effect of the fact that they needed to come up with a way to uh, make the Invisible Man invisible and, and add some realism to it. But I thought there might have been some underpinnings of a um, sort of a Black Mirror type take on technology. That's really smart. It's very Black Mirror-y, isn't it? And even just the way that they've approached the the movie in general, right? Because did you guys ever see the Kevin Bacon one? It came out. Yeah, Yeah, Hollow Man. Yeah, and so that one is very biological. Like, he actually finds a way to shoot himself up with some serum, and it it makes him invisible. And I always just thought it was pretty funny, because there's certain scenes where he's walking around without clothes on, and you could kind of see his, like, invisible donger flopping around a little bit. (laughs) That was always just something that that stuck out to me as goofy. But, um, yeah, that, that movie was really biological, where this one goes with the whole he's... Jordan, you're you're a smart science guy. He's like an optics, sci yeah, I was Silicon he Valley was some, guy, some leader in the field of optics. And what is that? Mean? I was uh, I was optics? glad that they didn't. It's like the study of light and how to use light to to measure things. And yeah, um, they notes. actually they they, they yeah, <laughs> it's pretty heavy foreshadowing because they say like oh that the. the the suit like manipulates light and manipulates and they, they use the word manipulate three or four times there. And it's very much like this guy manipulates her. Of course he's like great at manipulating things or being a master of manipulating things. Cause he's like, that's his whole thing is manipulating her mentally. And then he's like manipulating, uh, manipulating the light for the, for the suit to make it effective too. So you were saying Jordan. Yeah. No, the, the, to that point, Bob, it, that one of the things that I, I disliked a little bit about the movie was the fact that the dialogue to the was a little just kind of on the nose, and they kept telling you exactly sort of uh, what was happening in the relationship between these two people. He manipulates me. He does this to me. He'll yeah. never let me go. And it was like almost a little bit too much. Like I felt like you're showing us all this. We get it. You don't have to keep telling me. That's that's that. Yeah, I mean. 
there's there's some things about the movie I I appreciate its its ambition towards the fresh take. There were some things nitpicky wise that I was kind of scratching my head at, uh, especially just with the and and we're going to do spoilers today. So if you have not seen this movie yet, uh, definitely turn us off at this point, and I'll give you guys a second to get to your radio to turn us off. But moving forward, we're going to be doing spoilers. The scene where she um, is having dinner with her sister, mm-hmm. and it's a very mm-hmm. crowded restaurant. It's like, if there's any sort of security camera around at all, then it's just kind of the movie's over. Right. It's not that, they, that smart like, of a plan. They're able to be like, right, yeah, right, yeah. Like him, like he would have had to do really great reconnaissance in that place, making sure that there's there's no chance at all that there's a security camera run for a movie that talks about security cameras a bunch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. It was my favorite scene in the movie, actually, because of how unexpected it was. Yeah, um, but I didn't well, and, think about. Oh, well, Jordan, that's back to what you were and saying. And there's also too, that... that's the first real consequence, right? It's the first time someone dies. Yeah, and I like that it just happened so suddenly. It was it had it had real shock value. Yeah, I think that's another. Mike, what were you saying? I was going to say I I don't even know I don't have it in front of me. Who's the director of this movie? I don't even. I didn't even look it up. So the director, his name is Lee Wainhell. Mm-hmm. Wainhell. Yeah. And he yeah. actually wrote the original Saw, and he was in the original Saw. So he was the dude. You know how the two? There's the doctor and the other guy that are that that are shackled in in the Saw in the movie Saw mm-hmm. that they have to cut through their leg. He's the other. He's not Carrie Elwes. He's the other guy. Oh, but he's okay. um he's oh that's funny yeah so he's only directed uh, a couple things here he's done the invisible man upgrade and insidious chapter three but he's wrote a ton of movies a lot of the saw franchise the insidious movies um a lot of this blumhouse stuff he's uh he's had in his credits here but i guess it was upgrade which was pretty well received which is what gave him the opportunity to make this mm-hmm yeah, and that's why this movie, though, I, I, I am very impressed with Elizabeth Moss. I really like her, and I'm happy that she's kind of crushing it in these Hollywood movies, not just TV. But I do think that guy did a really good job, the filmmaking of, the, like, the music, the lack of music, really. A lot of the silent scenes, the static shots of rooms where you're really intent at looking at, do I see something? What would I think if I was sitting there? And I think that that, that dinner scene was like that, where... Nothing is really happening. They're just panning between each character. And then this crazy thing just happens. And it was like really impactful. There's a lot of stuff in the movie like that. I'm actually pretty impressed with the whole structure of how we did that. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Mike. There was a, I don't, we have, we're going to have to come back to Elizabeth Moss because uh, it's going to, she makes this movie, but, and I don't want to uh, gloss over her, but um, in terms of the filmmaking, I'm, I'm 100% with you, Mike. The way this movie was shot in general, I really enjoyed it. And that definitely stuck out to me. Um, early on when they're in the, their, their big house and there's these like kind of long panning shots zooming in down a hallway, uh, it, it really added to the uh, creepiness factor of the whole movie. And then it, it shifted styles. There were definitely some kind of like uh, more horror-esque filming, like traditional kind of filming that you'd see in a horror movie. But then there were sort of action sequences mixed in too. And uh, I thought it all kind of really came together nicely. Yeah, it could have really been shitty. There's there's some scenes where you're basically looking at a chair, and if it's not 
if you're not engaged in giving it up in the story, it's it could have gotten really comical. But it's really he plays off of how you've been conditioned as an audience member, right? Because you're conditioned to when the camera pans, like you're looking for somebody in the middle of that shot. You're just you're you're waiting for that. And so when the camera might pan in a movie in in this movie and there's no one there, it's psychologically almost you're like thinking, oh, there's got to be he's got to be right there. Like that they wouldn't they wouldn't pan and have nothing in the middle of that scene. So they use just scenes with with the actors a little out of frame or the actors not in the frame at all really well. And to Mike's point, they use silence really well. You're kind of waiting to hear another breath or you're waiting to to hear a footstep or something and it, and it's it, it's done and it, it builds a lot of suspense in a really creative way. Well, and on top of that, how about the kitchen scene where they're actually fighting? That was like very That was my favorite was part. Very believable and really scary where you just think like if there's actually someone invisible in front of you, you would be so overwhelmed with shock, you wouldn't even really know what to do, which is what was happening to her. She was just trying to figure out what do I even do here? It was like very impactful and well done and I'm sure they had a someone in a green suit or I mean they must have done that in a, in a pretty like planned out way to make it look that good I, maybe she was just really good with her mind work yeah, maybe she I, was it does look like she's actually striking people but she was uh, yeah that was that was a really just interesting scene to look at I maybe I, I, I will go with Jordan that the, the dinner scene's really cool I also just loved the shitty waiter My, I was gonna say if there was I had two roles that you could have played in this movie <laughs> that I think you would have killed. Shitty waiter. One was the shitty waiter, and the other was the guy who crashes his car, and he gets out, and he just goes, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got a broken nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And I his wife's yelling at him, like, scenes. where the fuck did you go? Yeah, those those were my two. Or one of the loser uh, one of the loser psych ward guys that just gets his, gets slammed into the wall with completely unsuspecting. Um, and any just general moron in this movie, but definitely the part I was born to play was the waiter where he comes up and he's like, Hey, what's going on? My name's Taylor. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys been here. You guys know how this works here. And she's like, let me guess. We order food and then we eat it. And he's like, well, you know, we do things a little differently around here. It's family style. She's like, we've been here. Get the fuck away. You guys want any drinks? No, no, not going to need drinks for a long time. All right, cool. See you later. I mean, Bob, you're literally like, doing. I the love scene that they right added now. that scene in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your that's yeah, your audition. Got it. Yeah. Give me a call, Blumhouse. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I, I just. I just. It was like, what a weird way to start a scene, and then and then where it ends, and and how insane it ends was just like, oh, definitely. Uh, the Taylor was there to to throw me off the scent that something terrible was about to happen, but. Uh, uh, did you guys get a sense, especially when she's breaking out of that psych ward, uh, did that feel a little Terminator 2-y to you? Hmm. Yeah, 100%. I didn't think about that. But... Yeah. I think there was a couple There was a couple uh, different sort of callback scenes to different movies and um, definitely felt like Terminator in that psych ward, yeah. um, which I thought was uh, just filmed really cool the way they did that and the way that the suit was sort of blinking in and out. Yeah. Um, to track his movement so you could t- see where he was and then the camera would follow the victims as they were like falling to the ground that was really neat and i hadn't really seen that before yeah it also threw me off a little bit because i thought the whole thing as soon as you see the pounding rain you're like oh she's gonna try to get him outside so she can see the silhouette in the rain 
and they set that up at the top of the movie where you're kind of watching the waves crash and and it's like forming the the titling on the on the thing was like oh okay water is going to be really big here but it was really more about disabling the suit so it's blinking on and off over like rain or anything like that right yeah for sure well she used uh, the shower and uh the slitting of her wrist to, to draw him near so that mm-hmm. she could stab the suit and cause it to go nuts like that and then that's what kind of allowed us to sort of track his movements throughout the yeah the following scenes mm-hmm. um i also thought there was you know the scene earlier on in the movie where she's sleeping and he pulls the the blanket off of her yeah. that reminded me of something out of paranormal activity Ooh. and then yeah the, that's right when she's the, sleeping in the in the 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 she the whole thing comes off yeah yeah, and then he kind of uses it to uh, fuck with her a little bit to let her know that he's there, mm-hmm. start messing with her mind. Yeah, and then the whole uh, slitting her wrist and stabbing him in the shower was just very psycho-esque to me as well. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the, just any time horror movies and showers, yeah. And stabbing. Mm-hmm, good. So I like those little nods. I thought it was kind of a reference to, um, and they, those are all sort of in the same vein and the same feel of this movie. So I, I think those are probably intentional. And I thought that was kind of neat to see. Yeah. No, the great, great callbacks. Uh, Jordan, you had mentioned we, we do need to get back to Elizabeth Moss and her character. Uh, I, what did you guys just think about uh, her kind of character arc here? The, the character arc, or at least from what I was gathering from it, was she is living in fear. She's constantly running away. The first scene, as we always know, the second most important scene in, in, in a character's arc is, is their first scene. Um, but she's running away. She's completely under control. Or she's completely uh, fear-stricken by this guy. And then by the end of the movie, she's actually seeking out and attacking him. She's strong, and she's actually chasing him down. That's kind of her arc. But obviously a lot happens in between there with just kind of her slipping into madness. What did you guys think about just her acting? Were you guys engaged? Did you find it impactful? Yeah, I'm not going to say Elizabeth Moss is maybe is the only person that can play this role, but I can say for sure without her performance in this, as you were talking about earlier, Bob, this movie could have sucked. It could have been horrible. She carries so much weight and so much emotion in uh, her her face and her emotions and her actions. She's got great crazy her, eyes. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, she she's very expressive in her face. I mean, this is a this is a living meme. There's going to be hundreds of memes that I probably get sent where I say something and someone's upset with me and they send me back an Elizabeth Moss like crazy angry face meme um or a, a <laughs> gif here like it's like <laughs> she's so expressive in this movie and the, the way they put her in makeup and in and everything she's just like strung the fuck out yeah and she's talking I mean she's talking to a chair sometimes or she's just talking to nothing and asking yeah. questions and, and trying to express Clint Eastwood like, style yeah yeah except uh, <laughs> yeah. um i guess i guess yeah it's clint eastwood style because uh she is going a little senile or at least is perceived <laughs> to go a senile but um she's fantastic i'll just add bob do you said this already because everyone has kind of said the same things about elizabeth moss how good she is i thought that first scene was really important with her when she's creeping around and he's sleeping I think mm-hmm. it really set the stage for her, and it's a lot of physical non-acting, which is the stuff that as you know, I'm not like I don't act obviously, but I I really enjoy paying attention to that kind of stuff, and I think that's what we're talking about with the crazy eyes and 
her just her demeanor and her mannerisms and how she kind of moves around and the physical part of it, I think is pretty underrated in this performance because she's she's sort of dealing with something that isn't there but it is and no one else believes her and you feel that every time you see her face. You can yeah. just see like she's confused, she's frustrated, she can't express this. It just doesn't seem to stop for her. And I'm sure it's something that's identifiable to a lot of people when you're saying things and maybe people don't believe you or, I mean, obviously this Mm -hmm. is an extreme of trying to convince people of things, but you're just, it's like, no, you don't understand. And the frustration behind not being heard is, uh, is something that I think a lot of us can identify with. And I think she strikes the right emotional tonality with that to, to make it really sing in this movie. Uh, I, I, I just always feel Elizabeth Moss is always in just some bad spots with her characters, man. Now I don't watch, the Handmaid's Tale, but that doesn't sound like anyone's having fun, or at least the ladies are in that show. Um, Peggy had a pretty rough ride in Mad Men, and uh, mm-hmm. she's in Get Out. You know, I don't want to necessarily spoil that movie, or not Get Out, but uh, what was the Us? She's in Us, and uh, yeah. she's she's in this, and just never an easy ride really with with Elizabeth Moss, unfortunately, for her characters. But she is she is building a good book of business here, and she's becoming someone like you said at the top, Bob. If if she's in something, it's a it's a a selling point for for the film, at least for me. It's it's a, it's a good indicator that it's something that is worth checking out. Is this her? Is this her first major solo kind of? She's the only person on the on the poster, like lead, like lead. Yeah, I think so. I think. I mean, Handmaid's for, Tale is yeah. Is and, to, you mean said, this is this is a huge risk. I'm so happy this worked out for her. I already said that, but yeah, it's really cool. Like this movie is like kind of blowing up, right? Like what what are uh, so right now? The box office, isn't it? Yeah, right now it's at uh, 29.1 million dollars. It's it's top at the box office, but it's February. It's kind of dumpsville. But um, yeah, it it is a win. And and Jordan, you said this movie was made for seven million dollars. Yeah, I believe so. So that's really interesting because Universal originally has rights to this and they were trying to reinvent a lot of their monster movies. And the, the first one out of the gate was the Tom Cruise monster movie uh, or the Tom Cruise mummy movie. And that was such a failure that they kind of scrapped the rest of these reinventions or reimaginings. Um, and so Blumhouse picked it up and Blumhouse's whole business model from what I've understood it to be is they make a lot of movies a lot of small movies a lot of low budget investments that are about seven or eight million dollars and they just kind of take chances and when they do hit on a few of them it more than pays for all of the other small risks that they've taken so for example some of their the movies at the top of their uh at the top of their box office successes are get out which was a huge success that made 255 million dollars that more than pays for all of the seven or eight million dollar ones that they've tried before Uh, they remade the halloween movie that made uh, a bunch of money as well they made split uh in glass and um they made those uh unbreakable movies so those those did really well paranormal activity all the paranormal activities the purge movies so a lot of these movies, Insidious, uh, Saw, like a lot of these franchises that pop off more than pay for some of the the ones that don't hit. 
Um, and they're even starting to do more dramas because they made Black Klansmen as well. So, um, yeah, so basically that's their business model and it just allows people to it's it almost kind of goes hand in hand with streaming services where you're just making small investments you're letting creative people be creative and then you're capitalizing when you catch a following it's crazy to me because this movie the invisible man it's not like it doesn't have production value it's not like it feels like a low budget film but it's yeah, done but for compared 7 to million the dollars. mummy well, compared yeah. to the mummy it's very low well, well, but I think this is all a lesson to these remakes, right? Like, if you're going to do this, if you're going to remake something that's happened before or we've seen in different sort of setups or contexts, like, put a spin on it. Put a good filmmaker in there. Put somebody who can really act and, like, really highlight them. I think if you if they do this with these, there's so much more interesting to go see and, like, talk about and be engaged with. Like, I think that's where this movie really excels, right? It's just so surprising. Well, and it shows, too, that you don't have to throw $100, $150 million at a movie just to uh, put people in seats, just to have a big spectacle of a show to, to return some value on that investment. I mean, this movie for $7 million, right. it's already making money. It's crazy. Well, they're, scare they're scaring people with empty scenes of rooms. I mean, right? It doesn't cost any money to film a room. That's really smart. Like, if you get a good filmmaker that knows what they're doing, I think that's what you're seeing here. Like, it definitely works. For sure. Jordan, you are going to laugh very hard. So your favorite subset of actors are uh, actors that do bad movies <laughs> to pay for their wine habits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when they were trying to first relaunch this in the Tom Cruise vein, they were going to have Johnny Depp play the Invisible Man. Uh, According to the internet here. I don't know if this is real or not, but I'm... That I'm reading this right now that originally that they were going to have a johnny depp invisible man movie you see this guy's face in the movie for like two minutes and it's when he gets his throat slit i'm sure it would have been a very different uh interpretation of this <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what i'm talking about it, it would have been, been terrible yeah it would have been terrible why would they, you even do that like that guy doesn't matter yeah. so they went away from that and they did a, a good elizabeth moss movie instead and it just kind of makes sense, right? I mean, an invisible man, if just, like, something creepy is going to happen. We, everyone's played the game. If you could have, like, whatever superpower, anybody who wants to be invisible probably wants to do weird shit. Yeah, Creeper. Yeah. Creeperville. So they take, it's like, he's like, oh, the invisible man? That's not, like, a superhero. That's, like, a that's like a weird guy using that power for to do something bad. And he yeah. took that and ran with it and made this movie, and it worked. God, this is so, so funny. In March of 2019, they they walked away from a Johnny Depp Invisible Man movie and they, they made this instead. Johnny Depp's <laughs> like, fire up that Invisible Man movie! <laughs> Johnny Depp's probably like, oh man, I could have really been good with Johnny Depp Invisible Man. So I just want to say one negative thing about this movie since we've been saying so many positive things. I will say, and again, this is like another like Jordan callback on like these funny comments. Remember when we saw I Am Legend? With yeah. Will Smith, and every time a zombie turned into a zombie, they were like the Incredible Hulk. So not only were they a zombie, but they had like this amazing strength, and they were like super fast, and it was nuts. Uh, putting on the Invisible Man suit, I mean, he's just mowing down people. Like, he was <laughs> yeah. pretty strong when he put that suit on. I, I I'm pretty into the sure Terminator. I could rock some ass if no one could see me coming. But really, because you still have to punch somebody. If if someone punches me in the face, I know they're in front of me. Right? I mean, I could still grab them or like start swinging. 
like I would hit them at some. He is point. a little Batman esque. Yeah, he's really using the shadows uh, in its peak ability. Right. The point is, if you put the Invisible Man suit on, you just become like a superhero on top of that, I guess, and you can just beat the crap out of everybody. That seems to be the takeaway. Well, yeah, the movie definitely asks you to come along with a few different things. Uh, just like I said, the 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 bits about the the camera. Just there's a lot of Ubers in this movie too. I'm like, what? That was weird. Fucking take an Uber, and the Uber driver's gonna sit out here, and then she's gonna get back in the Uber. I was like, what is happening? So there were some times where I was a little taken out. Yeah, and then you know the motivation. Is it Adrian? Is that the boy? uh, Yeah, the boyfriend's name. Like the motivation of him just being crazy because he's crazy. I wish there was something like a little more deeper than that, and why he wanted to go through this insane plot to get her in this position. She was the only person ever leave him. Yeah, which was which was a little weak. And then they gave her the plot armor of being pregnant so that he could only torture her for a long time and he couldn't actually kill her because he wanted the baby. Um, well, what's the timeline there? Was are you supposed to think that something happened to her while he was invisible or was Yeah, she he drugs her. That? He drugs her and he Okay, yeah, that's what her. I thought. Okay. Oh, okay. I I didn't Okay, I mean, it, they don't come out and say <laughs> I thought, it. I thought the, they don't say it directly. Okay. That was my interpretation of it because he's well, been uh, drugging they her. Said, they said that, well, she had been taking birth control without him knowing, but then they had a his brother had a line that said, oh, you think he really didn't know? He did know, and then he swapped out the birth control for something that was like fake birth control. Yeah, but the nurse goes a long way to say, like, it's very recent. It's very recent. And they don't give you a, a timeline, but they're definitely the reason why that nurse is talking about the recency of the pregnancy is to cast doubt in the viewer's mind of uh, has he been um, assaulting her while while he's in the suit or while she can't. <laughs> while she's living with the, this guy and his daughter, you tell me that this guy's putting on an invisible suit and coming and rocking her out. And no one's noticing. I, I think evil, that's what man. they're saying. Well, I mean, she's not like the they go to the girl goes <laughs> to school and the guy goes to work. Like he he has access to drugs that knock her out. Like he could be messing with her. I don't know. Now I'm imagining her just trying to sleep in this house with two other people and in the middle of the night just getting drugged and rocked out by an invisible yeah. dude. Uh, not, Do you not, think he stayed invisible thoughts. for that? I mean, I, he doesn't need to be invisible at that point, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, how could anyway? I don't. I don't want to go into the, the nuance of this, but okay. yeah. that's that's uh that's at least what my my thought was. Just because that it's stressed so much in that scene, the uh, the recency of it. But you also don't have a, yeah. a sound timeline. Yeah, the movie also does get twisty and turny towards the end, which I thought was a bit much. Yeah, it's a little Scooby Doo where the mask comes off and it's a different person, well, but the then scream, they, there's another they mask. The scream thing. Yeah. They did the scream thing, where it's the guy you see all the time. You actually know who the person is. It's the first yeah. thing I thought of. Again, a great callback. You know, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does start like I started really questioning all the plot and looking for plot holes though when they unmask him the first time and it's the brother, and then everyone just kind of goes with it and says, "Oh, well, it was actually the brother. It wasn't Adrian." It was like, why the fuck would anyone believe that? Why would? There's no reason yeah. the brother would. What's be his motive at all? This. Yeah. What would his motive no at all be? Yeah. So. Anyway, um, overall, though, for a February movie, I thought there was nothing to see. You guys, you know, to, to, to your credit, you said, let's see it. Let's see it. It looks like it's going to be interesting. And I'd say I, I think it's overall pretty interesting. I'd give it a solid B, maybe in the B plus range. 
So it yeah, seems like you guys was, are on the same page. Yeah, I think so. If I was giving advice to friends who aren't as diehard uh, movie lovers as us, I would tell them to you know check it out on on Netflix or or whatever at home. You know, I wouldn't be uh, encouraging everyone to to run out and go see it. But um, I'm totally happy with the decision on, on my part to go see it in the theater, and I thought it was a good time. Definitely cool. filled that gap in February. Nice little gap. Feel the gap. Cool. Well, thank you guys. You can take your suits off now and and go back into the world and be seen and and walk proud. And I thank you guys for coming on the podcast for with me tonight. Yeah, it man. Great. It was, it awesome. was a good time. Anytime. Great. And thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey,